Hi, this is Giuseppe. Hi, this is Anthony. And you're listening to For the Love of Sophia. A philosophy podcast brought to you by the Public Philosophy Project. If you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to email us at publicphilproject at gmail.com. Enjoy the ride. Okay, how you doing guys? We're back. Back again. And today we're going to be talking about the role of work and labor in human life. And it's this is an interesting episode for us because it's the first one that we pick from um, suggestions that come from the, from you guys. Uh, Sal uh, sent this to us about what? A couple of months ago probably? Mm-hmm. So now we're getting maybe longer than that at this point. Uh, we're getting around to it, and we're going to start talking about this interesting kind of topic, right? Yeah, so thank you, Sal. And this is a message to anyone else. If you guys want to hear us talk about anything, send an email to publicphilproject at gmail.com, and who knows, maybe we'll talk about it one day. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's... This is interesting, right? Because I think that the starting point must be, or should be, probably this this idea that we are by default uh, we need to work, right? This is something that has to do with us, and in a more general sense of the term, right? We're not talking mm-hmm. about going to work to make money, but there seems to be in philosophy some philosophers, at least, that think that working, making things is what makes us human, pretty much. Yeah, and maybe a good place to start, as always, is, like, what exactly do we mean by work? Because I noticed when you said, you said something like making. So mm-hmm. by work, do we understand something like creation? Or do we mean effort? Or, or both, or neither? Um, maybe I think that the... the a condition that we cannot get away from, that when there is work, there needs to be some form of creation, which I would say, not in the sense of creativity, though, right? Okay. Uh, meaning that you need to be doing something, making something, whatever that is, right? Okay. Um, I think it's clear in the case of a worker that works in a, in a factory, for example, right? That worker is making something, even if it's not the whole, even the part that it's making. Um, the uh, for I don't know, for college professors, what are we making? I don't know exactly, uh, but we're doing something too, right? We are creating lesson plans. We are hmm. making students. Uh, we're molding students, whatever whatever it is that we do, right? Molding young minds. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, already an interesting distinction, though, right? Because we could say that for some, what do you want to call it, occupations mm-hmm. or careers, mm-hmm. there there is this direct involvement with uh, a product, even if that product is a process, mm-hmm. um, such as a factory worker or a teacher or mm-hmm. an artist, mm-hmm. um, or a podcast maker, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, just kidding, we're not making any money. 
Uh, <laughs> but it seems to be different if you're working, for example, in like a cubicle. Yeah. Right? You talk about office space and things like this where you're, you're performing a function, right? Like you're exerting energy to execute a, a given task. Mm-hmm. But A, you might not know how the task fits into the larger product, right? Because everything's so compartmentalized. And mm-hmm. I think part of becoming a good worker in that setting is understanding the whole chain of the company, yeah. right? But for a lot of people, they don't have that. And so it's like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And even if you do have that knowledge of like what cog you are in the machine, mm-hmm. you don't have that direct product so to speak in your hand it's just like i'm kind of talking to people sometimes i guess Mm -hmm. and so i wonder if already acknowledging a distinction between those two types or subtypes whatever you want to call them is Mm going to have some effects for later parts of the conversation uh maybe i mean are we are we suggesting that that the office worker in the cubicle is not working that's not real work. It's definitely working. It just seems that like it has a different effect. Mm. Like there's a less creative element to go back to that word. Okay. That and I wonder if if that's significant. So the fact that the fact that it might be uh, creative but less creative uh, maybe has to do with um, with the. I don't know. I think that some creativity is still involved with that, though. Maybe control? Is control a better word? Yeah, probably. Maybe there's a distinction. Maybe there's not. But there's some element of of doing involved. And you were saying... Yeah, and I think that maybe there's a a difference there in in the significance of the things that we do rather than... Mm. And maybe that's why these jobs are particularly alienating, so to speak, right? Mm. Uh, And... This is why maybe I, I don't know anybody who likes that kind of job, right? Yeah, that's tough because I did it at some point. So mm-hmm. back when I was like 19, 19, 20, 21, mm-hmm. let's say that. Um, for a little while, every summer, I would work in basically the company's job was they rent the trucks well they don't rent. how do i phrase this chemical transportation is it logistics so to speak? it's logistics it's hooking up trucks with different spots where they fill the trucks and and containers with different products and then you organize meetups at the pier in New York or New Jersey and then you talk to truck drivers and then you do a lot of customer service and all that stuff. So definitely logistics, yeah. And I was doing data entry. And so I would basically uh, look at this order that came in from a certain company and then I would have to enter all of this information into the system that the company made on the computer. So I was just regurgitating information right Mm -hmm. and uh it was good money for someone back then my age and i'm glad that i did it overall because it gave me some exposure but i this was just something that i could never ever see myself doing um because it felt like i wasn't there yeah it was literally you were a tool i was a tool right and so i could imagine that there are some people 
for whom that kind of work is totally okay. And I, and I work with them, right? Like these people got really into it. Yeah. It was their job. And like, that's cool. But, uh, it's not, it's not for everybody. But you know, when I think of this kind of works, right. Of this, of this jobs, I'm thinking it is okay to have an approach towards a profession that is, it's just a job, right? It's just yeah. what I do. That doesn't define me, right? Yeah. But it's good money. I don't have the headaches that I, that I would have if I had like a different, uh, a different sort of, of, of job that will require more responsibility. At the end of the day, I'm just you know I'm a tool and I'm content to be a tool, uh, just for that reason. Uh, but then I wonder if, if that's the case, what's, again going back to our our main question, right? What is the what is the meaning of work for your life in that case? Is it just something that's adjunct to it? Something that, you know, you add to it? Or is it really significant? Hmm. That's a good... I mean... Yeah, because I was going to say for some people, mm-hmm. they do work and they love it. Mm-hmm. So much so that they'll even say things like, it, it's not even work, right? It's not work if you love it. Yeah. Um, and then you have people who say, oh, I hate doing this. Right. And that's work. That's strenuous. That really takes a toll on me. Um, and it seems like our, our topic, the, the role and value of work in life, if we ask that question, the answer seems a little bit dependent on what, which of those two approaches you're talking about, right? Because the role of work to someone who loves their work is going to be at least somewhat different, if not completely different, from the role of work for the other person who has a totally different outlook, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely, and I'm, while I was say, you were saying this, I was thinking, well, is there a way in which we can kind of oh, step back and say, okay, if work was somewhat necessary to our way of being, so to speak, we shouldn't we shouldn't be able to be without it, so mm. to speak, right? Because if it is in our nature, so to speak, to be workers, right, um, then it will be difficult. Uh, to stay without work. Mm-hmm. And what would that look like? And again, just to clarify, what what we're talking about here is not the possibility, can you survive without working, without making money, right? Yeah, because that's, that's a different, different. That's a different thing. What we're talking about here, can you really be not working, not doing stuff? So it's ultimately a question about the good life. Yeah, exactly. Can you live... Can you live a good life not doing anything? Hmm. Let's let's assume in the best case scenario, let's assume that you have some sort of annuity that comes to uh, through your bank account every month that you know provides you for with whatever you need, right? Mm-hmm. And you just would you still be living a good life, so to speak, if you were just sitting on the couch all day? Oh man, so doing nothing. <laughs> I assume that. The answers given here, we'll see some differences, A, based on age. Okay. And B, based on political orientation. Okay. And maybe even some other factors. Um, okay. Because I know me, when I was younger, mm-hmm. I would have totally been like, yeah, who needs to work, man? I'd just be happy doing <laughs> nothing, right? Like, why the man's telling me to do this thing and then as i get older uh it's completely the opposite right (laughs) i I have to do something 
Yeah. And it's if I, life. yeah, if I don't, it's not just that I get anxious and terrible feeling, which are both true things, but overall, it it doesn't feel like I'm living a good life. Like I'm not flourishing. I'm stagnating. But I'm wondering if you know, going with Rousseau in this case. Wondering if the problem is you got corrupted, right? <laughs> that the real thing was you were supposed to feel the way you felt when you were younger. That's the, you know, the younger you are, the closer you are to your natural state. Huh. And then now you're being conditioned into thinking that you have to do something. That you have to, to be partaking into this productivity game. And if you don't, of course you're going to feel uh, anxious hmm. uh, because this is what you've been conditioned to think. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible that it's conditioned, mm-hmm. right? Because to, to claim that it's innate would require some work. Let's mm-hmm. uh, no pun intended. <laughs> um, but I like even if it is conditioned, I would. I'm okay. I'm okay with that, right? Because you could be conditioned to a climate that you think is good. No, of course, no. Right, like things aren't inherently bad just because they're. Uh, what did you say? Conditioned or constructed or something like that. And Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's. An, I don't think it's a coincidence that there's a correlation between people that don't work and, and depression, mm. right? These things often go hand in hand. Well, but and again, what? Because they were conditioned, so they're depressed for the wrong. Re- I don't know. What do you think about this? I. I mean, you know better. You know very well that I cannot stay still. So I know you're the guy that cannot sit still. I, I just I need to do I need to have a million projects all the time. So, um, but I wonder most of the time if this is like, first of all, if this is healthy, <laughs> specifically. But even better, even better if this is actually uh, the way in which we're supposed to be, right? Hmm. I I assume that I think of I think of it this way. I think there's on a certain level we all need to do stuff in order to be living a good life, right? Um, but I think that we are also um, under the thumb of this idea that we need to produce as much as possible, right? Mm. Because that's what we that's what we are. We are what we do. And I think that that is also worrisome. I agree. Um, and finding a balance between the things that we're supposed to do in order to be flourishing as you're saying to live the good life and the fact that then we get part of this machine and we cannot get out of this machine finding a balance between these two things is key and the problem is what is the balance as always right what is the balance yeah. should we be defined by what we do or what you're saying is definitely true so I guess we, we were just focusing on the the deficiency side mm-hmm. right to use the the aristotelian language what it looks like when you don't work at all or don't work enough but of course there could be the opposite end which which is not good psychologically you you mm-hmm. feel overworked um and we know stress is not good in any way for you right not just mentally but it has these physical effects um and i uh, know that happens to me sometimes like sometimes i feel really guilty so i'm mm-hmm. someone who kind of like you i i need to always be doing something it it might be a little different like i don't know if all the particulars line up with me and you but 
when I do nothing, I feel I feel bad. Right? Like I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a blessing and a curse because on the one hand, if if my inner, you know, whatever voice is is telling me I always need to do more than I'm doing, this is a motivating factor, right? And it's what sure. keeps me going and it's it what hopefully pushes me beyond my limits, right? And I'm always transcending whoever I am currently to to be somewhere better, right? From moving from that what is to what should be and all that good stuff. On the other hand, sometimes it just makes me feel too much. Like I just want to explode, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like you could you could have negative thoughts, right? And it's certainly not good to have continuous negative thoughts about yourself. So I think you're right that you need to find this nice middle ground, the, a way to virtuously engage with work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, I don't know about you, but I suppose I am always dealing with, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it is especially uh, difficult right now because I think that the, the way in which our society works and the way in which we are, the ethos, let's say, of this, um, of this age where we're living, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, how can we say, it doesn't tolerate this middle ground. Hmm. Uh, and especially with, uh, because either you are required to do, to fulfill your role in society, either you're required to do nothing, so to speak, and I'll tell you what I mean in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you are required to be engaged in your work pretty much 24-7. Mm. And the pressure of doing that is more and more. So living in a, by now, post-industrial society, in a service society, mainly, right? Uh, in a society where uh, it's all about catering and the gig society and all those things pretty much spare time, time to yourself, free time, completely disengaged from work. doesn't exist anymore. Absolutely. The fact that, and even in this situation, a situation where many people work from home now, right? And these big companies are thinking, they're realizing we don't need an office space. People can do what they're doing from home. This will blurry completely the line between my time and work time. Yeah, and that, that, that'll have disastrous consequences. And what will happen is it will be work time for always. It is work. It is work time always. So I need to, for example, I need to censor myself, to police myself, not to look at my work email all the time. Mm. Because I, because, you know, I'm always looking at it and it is still work responding to email. I know it sounds so, so spoiled and privileged, right? I, my work is answering emails, like, but it is work, right? Sure. I'm never disengaged from it. And I'm not in the worst position. People that work for big companies are in a position of much worse than ours, right, than mine, because they really are never, there's no line between my time and the company time, so, so to speak, right? Yeah, and so... And especially, especially with, uh, with cognitive work, that's even mm. worse, because you're not doing, again, you're not necessarily, you know, when we think about this thing, we're thinking of people that are constantly in front of their computer, on their phone, doing work, and this is one level of it. But then there's another one, which is people that cannot think of anything else 
both work mm -hmm. because their work is to think to solve a problem, for example, within the company. And there is no, how, how do you do that? How can you shut off your brain when you need to solve a problem like that, right? So it it's, seems like what you're saying is there, there exists this conceptual dichotomy of mm -hmm. hypo productivity or hyper productivity. Yeah. And, and both of these uh, are not good. Mm -hmm. And you're talking specifically about the hyper productive thing right now. And I, I can speak from experience, right? So my, uh, I hope he's not listening, but my best friend, uh, it, it falls into this category. He is someone mm -hmm. who works for uh, a big company. We always joke that he works for Big Pharma. Uh, he works <laughs> for a big company in the city uh, doing sales. And he is always looking at his phone, like all the time, even when you're hanging out with him. And it makes me so sad because I'm like, yeah. you got to one. It, it's, it's like sad because I want to be here with you. Right. Um, but also because, man, your mental space must be just on fire all the time. Um, and and there was the, what's the, there's this book I had a couple years ago called. Um, the world outside your head. I think it was called by Matthew Crawford and it's basically uh, like a phenomenology of attention. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how people's attention span is like getting smaller and smaller and, and smaller and getting exploited um, mm -hmm. by the news and by companies and by social media and technology and all that good stuff. And he just has this, this bit where he's joking about like, you know, Bob sitting at his friend's party almost for a moment has a moment of pure joy, right? Where he doesn't <laughs> think about anything, but just as that happens, he realizes, oh, I have to answer this email from work and goes down and does it. And, uh, and that's freaky, right? And, and this yes. is a, a negative thing about technology, mm -hmm. right? It's and like, I, what do they call it? The paradox of progress? Yeah, yeah, and I think we were talking about this a few months ago. Remember I sent you an article about the deep thinking the, oh the, yes, yes, yes! About reading, and, yeah. Yeah. So the fact that that the attention span is so small, so to speak, right? Then we are even unable to uh, to concentrate for long periods of time. So we don't deeply. We just go and get the surf, the surface meaning of stuff, so to speak, right? Mm. I'm not doing justice to the article, but yeah, um, yeah. But I'm saying, I think though that this is misleading uh, sometimes when we think this way. And because the the impression that one might have when we say that, you know, we're never, the attention span is going away, that nobody's paying attention for more than five minutes or anything, it makes you think that this lack of attention is distributed, let's say, randomly, right? That I don't pay attention to my friend, the same way I don't pay attention to my TV, the same way I don't pay attention to my work, but that's not the case. I think that there is one thing that's occupying your mind 90% of the time, which is your work most mm. of the time, and you jump from that to anything else for a few seconds at the time just because you want to make sure that, you know, you're still living, so to speak. Your brain takes those micro breaks and say, it's not that this person is going out with you, you're outside, you're out together having a drink or something, and then he takes a break and looks at his phone and then he's back with you and then looks and then, I don't know, reads the ad on the newspaper. No, it's constant. The work is the constant part. And then there is those little 
micro moments where he or she is paying attention to something else. Mm. Yeah, that's that's such an interesting way of thinking about it because you usually think the first way. You're saying, yeah. I am I am doing something fun and social and relaxing. And then sometimes I'm in work headspace. Yeah. Because it looks like that, right? From yeah. like a, the bird's eye view of, of, yeah. the, of the empirical event. Exactly. Um, but really, from the perspective of attention, you know, of, of consciousness. First person, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> you are first and foremost with work, right? Yeah. Being with your work in that mode. And then also occasionally like stepping out and being out outside of it for a minute. Exactly. And I, I noticed this, for example, the, uh, again, it's a, this thing I told you was reflecting about it not that long ago. I was watching one of my favorite shows on TV. So it's not, it was, I wasn't like, you know, in front of TV watching nothing. I was watching one of the things that I really like. And I had my phone next to me. And what I kept doing was picking my phone, checking my email, putting down my phone, look another five minutes of the show, taking the phone again and looking at the enrollment in my classes. But again, it was mm. keep going back and forth with that. And then I realized, wait a minute, why am I doing? And now, for example, I'll purposely, I'll bring my phone in another room when I'm watching TV because I'm, I'm really trying to train myself, kind of to try to get out of this habit, right? But there is this idea that, again, I think the work is permeating us so much at this point this hyper connectivity not necessarily to you know not the social media stuff but upper connectivity to work specifically hmm. that's really hard to shed really really hard and i'll contend that even the ipo productivity in reality becomes uh what can we say dangerous and unnerving because all you think about is the fact that you're not doing well oh okay yeah so it's always the same issue. It's like the lack of that and the thought that you're not doing that is what is required of you, so to speak. So the, the, the positive thought, like the having of a thought of work is always there. It's yes. not the having too much work of thought and having too... I just screwed that up. Having too much thinking <laughs> of work and having no thinking of work, you're saying. It's having too much thinking of work and the other mm -hmm. one is having too much thinking of work that I don't have. Exactly. Hmm. That's what I think it's happening all the time. Because, again, think of uh, of somebody that, and again, there are exceptions, right? And uh, we can we can think I don't know, we can think of I have two exceptions in mind: the 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 person that's living again of this annuity that comes from old money, whatever it is, that doesn't care about, doesn't think of his job, and it's it completely embraced mm -hmm. the. Uh, the seductive phase of Kierkegaard, right? I don't care about anything. I move from one pleasure to another. Uh, I keep on doing the stuff irreflexively, right? He's not thinking, mm -hmm. from my perspective, he's still not living a good life, but, you know, maybe it's just this this way of living that moves from one pleasure to another, not, not thinking about work at all. That might be an exception. And the other exception could be the, I don't know, the chronically unwelfare person, that has given up on any possibility of work, that doesn't care anymore, that's mm. so disillusioned that I don't care, this is my life, I'll, I'll leech on whatever I have to le uh, I'll latch on, whatever I have to latch on, and I'll, you know, 
I embrace my being like this, right? But aside from these two exceptions, I think that everyone else is in that paradigm that I just described, either always thinking about work or always thinking about the fact that I don't have enough work. Hmm. And I wonder if there is a way out of this. I don't think... I, I honestly think that the almost the ontological existence of a of a different way of life right now is denied to us. It doesn't exist. And because by that, the, you mean a way of being that is not always already permeated with yes. work. Yes. Hmm. Because I think that, and I don't know what we want to call it, if we want to call it capitalism, if we want to call it post-Fordism, there are like a million terms that you can use, or simply the way in which society has developed through technological advances, I think that this, all these things that we're saying are exploiting something that we really have as innate, which is the will and the want to do stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and it has rewarded us for wanting and wanting to do this all the time. Mm. Uh, and I think that we are at the point where it's impossible for us to think otherwise. And the mm. fact, the way the society is structured and the technology and everything, the material conditions in which somebody is born right now automatically make that someone into that kind of being. Yeah, I don't think it's possible in order for you to be considered a, a normal human being to behave in any different way. So I'm thinking that this is all super interesting and the thought I'm having right now is I don't think that this is a, a capitalism thing mm. intrinsically okay I think it might be the case that certain stages of capitalism given certain conditions mm -hmm. uh, incidentally are very good at producing these uh, negative psychological reinforcements with regard okay. to work that we're talking about. I think it's something mm -hmm. like that. But what is an issue, it seems to be more about... I feel like there's so much involved here because uh, you could talk about advertising, you could talk about work, you could talk about technology, you could talk about... Uh, the human will to do, as you're saying, and you could talk about the human search for meaning, right? I'm you. I'm going to use the uh, yeah. the phrase <laughs> in the wrong thing. So, man, search for meaning. Although Somebody's I don't think it's un it. I don't think it's unrelated. So I think ultimately it may be that the thing, the very thing, that if taken care of properly would produce a good life a meaningful, fulfilling, eudaimonious life mm -hmm. is the thing that causes these problems. Our concern with it just becomes so, 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 so overblown that we wind up going in the opposite direction. It becomes an obsession, right? It becomes an obsession. And so ultimately, I don't think it is a thing with money. I don't think it's a thing with capitalism intrinsically or foundationally. I think it's more about people's basic uh, psychological needs. Mm. And when I say that, I don't mean 
like level one Maslow's hierarchy live here, although that's certainly important. I mean, the psychological needs that arise from, uh, let's say, one's existential condition, and those things are what's, what's fueling all these desires or quasi-desires or motivations or whatever. But can't we, can we agree that these desires, these existential, uh, how did you call it, desires, right? Existential desires, existential... Uh, That's part of it. I would also include anxieties on there. Yeah, so can we agree that these things are at least in part determined by the material living condition in which we are in this specific day and age? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think there's certain ones that are um, universal and that mm -hmm. all humans would have by virtue of their being human. Mm -hmm. And I think certain elements of that are amplified or made smaller by certain material conditions sure so um i don't want to say that uh, this is not my idea necessarily and this is you know i was saying before uh there are different factors at play technology and you know psychological conditions that you're mentioning these are part of it uh but i'm wondering if the larger category here isn't capitalism so to speak because, again, if we want to say that technology causes, at least especially, to blame for what's happening, right? Mm -hmm. Well, technology, the way it developed, was able to develop because of capitalism, right? Yes, yes. So that means that eventually, if we're going to look for the first cause, right, we will go to capitalism and for technology, right? Mm. And I wonder if, and this is why I was asking you before, uh, if certain psychological states, needs, and wants, right, that we have and they are given for us right now, at the end of the day, are determined from the fact that we live in a capitalistic society. And I'm not saying that capitalism is the devil here, right? But I'm saying that if we consider capitalism as the engine that has moved us into this, uh, what people call progress, you, you said it before, right? Into this progress technological economical ethical whatever you want what whatever uh merits you give to capitalism as the engine of all this mm -hmm. then you need to also have capitalism take responsibility so to speak right for this condition that we're describing right now because if that's the engine for all these things that's also the engine for me being connected 24 7 with my job it could it could be Right. I, I don't deny that there's a relation, but the, the way I'm thinking about it is so use the language of engine. And I think mm -hmm. that that's fine. So to continue the analogy, you would say, OK, so in the same way that an engine doesn't run in itself, the mm -hmm. engine needs fuel and the of engine course. needs a driver. Mm -hmm. I would say economic systems are like that. They're means mm -hmm. rather than ends. Mm -hmm. And I think the problem isn't the means, right? Which is why I'm saying it's not a, a capitalistic thing. It's how we're, it's how people might be using it. It's in the end states that are desired. So I think if okay. if there's a way to, how would you say this? Like the problem is not so much the. See, I feel like I'm going to say the same thing and you're just going to say the same thing. But all I'm going to say mm -hmm. is I think what we need to fix is maybe the things we des our priorities, let's say okay. that, um, our values, our priorities, mm -hmm. and 
the way we organize our life and the way we cope with things psychologically. So if those things are in line, um, Mm -hmm. then I don't think we have as much of a problem. And those things are much more primordial than any economic system, I would say. So I don't know. Again, I don't know if I'm saying the same thing again, but I think you're right. So if we keep the analogy uh, the way it is, right, what's the fuel of this engine? The fuel of this engine is... Well, what I said before and what you were saying too, right, is this our desire of to work, right? Our desire to do stuff, this this thing that it's in there, that's mm-hmm. named, so to speak, right? That's what fuels this engine. It's capitalism. And we're always, the, the, the advantage of capitalism I've always heard is exactly that, that works on something that's natural, right? Mm. Um, the problem is, I agree with you, the problem are the ends, Right. The problem is that this is, should be a tool that leads towards an end. And the end, I'm assuming uh, that for you, just like for me, should be using this engine to live the good life, to flourish, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to make it simple. It's not that simple, probably. Right, it, but it, it makes it sound nice like that. Exactly. Let, let's simplify this. The problem is I don't know if this engine is designed to achieve that goal. Hmm. Okay. Because I feel sometimes that when I try to do this, it's like I'm driving my Nissan Versa in sand dunes, <laughs> trying to make the Nissan Versa do things. And you're like, why is it working? That he cannot do by definition. Yeah, yeah. So I'm under the impression that this engine is not designed to do what me and you want to do. And this is why things keep on falling apart one way or another. Hmm. Uh, not denying an engine because it's an engine is driving somewhere we see some movement some change and sometimes uh, I would say we mistake it for progress mm-hmm. uh, other people would say no it is progress well yeah we move from one place to another you think it's forward fine you call it progress I think maybe it's not necessarily okay. forward okay. Uh, but the point being maybe that engine is designed just to still to preserve the well functioning of that engine itself. That's it. Hmm. I mean that that last point may very well be true, um, but I think that's true of of anything, right? Like any system. This this goes back to um, Thrasymachus, right? Who yeah. says that yeah. any kind of system is designed to preserve itself. Yeah. So I think that's true. Um, so I'm still going to say any any criticism seems in, incidental, and I'm I'm wondering if there's a way to kind of meet. I don't know if you want to call it middle here or something like that. Um, in that, first of all, I think the word capitalism is a tricky word because it's so okay. loaded. It's like it has all this emotional baggage. It's political. It's political. Mm-hmm. So. The reason I'm saying it's not that is because when I'm thinking of that word, I'm thinking of private ownership of means of production, right? And I don't think that in itself has anything problematic or any necessary consequences. I think what it is, is there's some element injected into it that's steering the car in a direction that we don't want to go. And if we can figure out what that element is, then maybe we could course correct. And for me, this seems to be more so something like consumerism. Mm. Consumerism, drive for power, and these to me seem to be 
uh, ingredients that are distinct from capitalism mm -hmm. that are not intrinsic properties of it, but that can definitely be combined with it in a way so as to produce undesirable results. Okay, so I, and I think that, um, yeah, you can say that, definitely. I, well, Marx would say that you're wrong, for example. Right, right? of course. <laughs> because Marx would say, well, no, these are necessary consequences of capitalism. Exactly what you described, those are not accessories to it. Capitalism drives towards that. Um, and I find uh, this explanation from Marx I want to say reasonable. Hmm. I'm I, I don't seem to be able to find a situation where capitalism is disconnected from these things that you're mentioning. Ooh. I always, I always find it together. I know that ideally, it is just you know, uh, private ownership of the means of production. Ideally, but practically, I always see it united with thirst for power, with uh, exploitation with all sorts of things, right? Mm. And I'm not saying that there is a better system. I'm just saying that this system works that way. Okay, and I think that's and an important I, distinction. And I also would say that one of the reasons why the word is loaded is the fact that the moment you think of capitalism, immediately we are conditioned almost to think of its opposite. So mm, I need okay. to defend capitalism as a private, uh, again, uh, ownership of means of production, uh, private, oh, oh my God, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then it's opposite. And the, the specter of communism, right, mm -hmm. starts running through our mind, and especially in its, in its historical forms, that's terrifying, mm -hmm. absolutely terrifying. But again, but that doesn't mean that capitalism is not... Uh, it's not inherently, inherently, again. Okay. Baggaged by, sandbagged by, by this, this, this thirst for power and so on. And yeah, so, on. so just to be clear, because we can continue this in the next episode, it seems like the issue isn't choosing something versus an alternative, but literally just analyzing the properties of a system. Yes. Right? And whether or not certain properties. Doing, yes. Okay, good. So... And then we can continue talking about this in the next one. I think this is turning out to be a good conversation. All right. All right. See you next time. See you.